you everyone for being here. My name is Nick, as, uh, as David mentioned, and uh, I'm going to share a little story about my life with you all. I'm just going to get this raised a little bit, a little bit taller. I'm going to share a story about my life um, and kind of my journey into ministry. Uh, folks from staff have been sharing their stories about getting into ministry, and so I want to do that this morning for you all. So actually, my story with specifically worship and music and ministry goes back kind of a long ways. Um, like a lot of people, my very first experiences with music were in the church, in the church that I grew up with. And so when I was about 13 or 14, I joined the youth worship band. Someone lent me an electric guitar, very brave of them to do that. And, uh, and I started playing electric guitar in the youth worship band. And eventually, after some, a period of time, I kind of graduated up and was actually able to start leading the band, which was really fun. Um, I had some amazing mentors who really helped me in that. Um, they taught me a lot about kind of what it means to worship, the theology of worship, but also just kind of what it means to play in a band. But once I graduated out of high school, um, unfortunately, the opportunities to lead and play music kind of dried up for me. And then, you know, I, I didn't have as many friends there, right? A lot of friends had gone off to school. Uh, a lot of uh, people had moved out of the area, which is like super common for the Bay Area. And so I was kind of left sort of on my lonesome. I joined the sound team for a little while, but I was kind of searching for places to get connected. Um, at around that time, too, I actually started playing my own music and performing my own music and recording. And so I was kind of doing that, you know, outside the church, if you will. Um, and I spent a lot of time pouring energy into that and eventually formed a band. And for the next 13 years, I would tour and record and perform with that band. And that kind of caused me to step away from sort of, you know, music in the faith context in a pretty significant way. So in my early 20s, I ended up uh, kind of leaving that church because, I, like I said, I didn't have as many connecting points. And for a while in my personal life, I was essentially unchurched. And I would say that I was what could be called a lapsed Christian. So I knew that I loved God. I knew that I loved Jesus. I knew that I, I thought about it a lot, but that was it. I thought about it a lot. I didn't really live out my faith in any discernible way, and I wasn't really engaging in Christian community in any discernible way. I wasn't leading worship anymore, and all my music goals were really focused on this band that I had started with my friends. But eventually that band started to ramp up big time, and so we actually started to tour quite a bit, and we got chances to record some albums. And in my mind, that was the thing. That was it. That's what I spent all my time doing. And so I took every opportunity that I could to do music. And one of those opportunities earlier on, coincidentally, was that a church had invited me to come and be a judge at a talent show that they had put together, which was very, very interesting. And you're probably wondering, who was that church? That church was Highway Community, and that was when I was very, very young. But um, also, man, you guys really took a risk on letting me judge something, so thank you. But that got me acquainted with Highway very, very early on, and I will admit that I didn't really actually have much of a sense of who Highway was outside of that event, but it did get me connected, and over the years, I kind of began to cross paths with more and more Highway folks. So, as I mentioned, my band, naturally a big part of being in a band is that you have to rehearse, uh, but finding a place to do that without getting the uh, cops called on you all the time for noise complaints is kind of hard to do. It used to happen a lot to me and my friends when we were, when we were in our uh, late teen years. So the quest for a rehearsal space began, 
And I don't know if anyone here has any experience with rehearsal spaces, but I, I want to paint a picture, a mind image, if you will, about what a rented musical rehearsal space looks like. So most of the times it's four walls partitioned off into a warehouse that looks like it was created to be the backdrop in a Robocop movie. So it's very, very sketchy is the, is the adjective that I, would, that I would use. So in the search for a place to rehearse, where we weren't going to look like we were, you know, maybe involved in illicit activity. Um, our keyboard player in the band actually said, you know, I think I actually know someone who might be able to help us. And he did. He actually knew a local worship pastor who was working out of a recording studio at the time. And it was really close to where we lived. It was private. It was a very nice place. Robocop would not come in and arrest us. Um, so we worked out a deal, essentially, where we were allowed to be there for all said and done, about eight years for free to practice and to rehearse and to record. And it was this really beautiful location. It was a massive blessing. So who was this church exactly that was, letting to will, that was willing to let us record and rehearse there for free? It was Highway Community. And that person was actually Ryan Kingsmith, who was here before me leading worship. So already in retrospect, I can see the ways that God was working in my life. At the time, I didn't really... Put, you know, make sense of it. But I can see that there's two times now that I cross paths with Highway. So in my early 20s, uh, like I mentioned, I had stepped away from church for, for, a, for a while. My band began to tour, and we were on the road a lot. I was spending a lot of time playing clubs and venues and, and music halls and things like that. And it would probably take a whole other talk to kind of explain where I was at in life at that time. Um, but you know, there was one thread that was kind of consistent through that, that era of my life, and that there was a real disappointment and dissatisfaction with um, where my life was. Touring was really, really, really hard. Some of my relationships in the band were super dysfunctional and really just not healthy. My romantic and my social relationships outside of the band were also really whack and just kind of out, you know, they were not, not very balanced. Um, from a faith perspective, too, I was in a really, really, really weird place. I hadn't attended church in forever, and I was just, just wasn't engaged with my faith in any real way. It was kind of all a mental exercise, and I think functionally, it's, uh, I would describe it, you know, if you've ever heard the term functional atheism. But there was a real crossroads for me one night. Um, my band was playing in Hollywood, and as many of you know, Los Angeles and Hollywood are kind of hubs and centers for entertainment, for the entertainment industry. So we always took opportunities, always took opportunities to play because you never know, you could get your big break. True story, I once met Jared Leto in Hollywood. He is as weird as you think he is just from looking at him. Um, so we got invited to play this kind of higher profile party that a friend was hosting. It was uh, in kind of an art studio complex. He worked for a couple sort of more notable record labels. So we were like pumped in jazz, like we were gonna play. And then after that, we're gonna get signed and be the world's most famous band. I mean, that's kind of how we were thinking about it at the time. So I had, you know, needless to say, set some expectations on this, on this time, right? Um, and I do have fond memories from that night. It was a meaningful experience, but I think the real takeaway was that unfortunately, it was incredibly negative. It had some super negative um, impacts on me. A handful of things happened that night that really left me feeling super depressed and really upset and pretty kind of um, disillusioned with the whole band thing. And I began to feel this real sense of disconnection or at least 
disassociation with kind of all the people around me. And I realized for the first time that I kind of felt trapped in my circumstances. I don't know if you've ever felt that, but I felt trapped. I wasn't really super happy with where my life was. So I stepped out of this, this event that was happening out onto this quiet street. It was kind of nestled in this industrial area outside of uh, downtown. It was really, really quiet. But I started to hear singing. And it was not singing from the show. It was actually singing coming from across the street. And so I looked up, and in front of me, kind of like appearing out of the darkness, was this church. It was a really beautiful old church. And despite um, all appearances, um, although I'm up here on Sunday mornings uh, leading music for, w with the community, um, I actually can be somewhat socially reserved. I would describe myself as an introvert, extrovert. It kind of depends on the day, kind of depends on how I'm feeling. Um, so I'm not actually always one to just insert myself into a super unfamiliar circumstance, especially one that's in a dark industrial area in Los Angeles. Um, but for some reason, I really felt this pull, and so I decided to go walk across the street and see what was happening. And there, at like 10 p.m. or like 11 p.m. at night, there was a church service happening across the street. And it was this beautiful liturgical service in this beautiful old church building. It was all in Spanish, so I had no idea what was being said. But I was feeling really low, and I was also feeling really far from God and feeling just kind of this, again, this pull. I think we all know what the pull was, but at the time, I didn't know what it was. And so I walked in, and I sat down near the back of the church. So even in the midst of this service, which was highly liturgical, a tradition that I did not come from, which was in a language that I barely spoke, with strangers that I did not know, at 10 p.m. at night in a weird part of L.A., I was so so moved by this service. It was absolutely beautiful. And eventually it came time to take the Eucharist, Holy Communion, together. And so I walked with everyone to the front of the building, to the, to the altar, and the priest or the deacon, the, the woman that was running this service, she, she smiled at me with this big smile, and she handed me the elements in Spanish, which I was like, thank you for giving me the benefit of the doubt there. And I took communion for probably the first time in many, 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 many years. And it was also the first time that I had stepped into a church in many, many years. So it wasn't until I got home from tour, or maybe it was like a couple days later, that I realized actually a super important detail about this event. I had been so caught up in my own life and my own things, this tour, all the drama that was surrounding me, all the chaos in my life, that I hadn't realized that this show happened on a Sunday, but not any Sunday. It was a very specific Sunday. It was actually Easter Sunday. And I had just taken part in a service that was celebrating the resurrection of our Lord by partaking in the holy elements of communion. So the most important day in the church calendar and the day that we celebrate this life and this redemption that we have through Jesus was the first time that I came back to any real concrete interaction with the church and with God. And I absolutely think that was providential. But it was also a real turning point for me and kind of a fork in the road, if you will. I began to seriously think about my spiritual priorities, and especially as they pertain to music in my life and devoted all this time that I devoted to playing music, and it had set me back on a path to Jesus in a really intentional way. 
also providentially sometime after this. Um, I had a friend of mine who was a spiritual mentor. He had been involved in ministry for a really long time. Him and his wife had been praying, and they really felt like God was telling them to begin a home church in Palo Alto, uh, one where people could uh, come back into faith, people that were feeling disconnected from God or feeling burnt by the church or feeling hurt by the inst- whatever institution they were a part of. But it was also a place and kind of a segue point, an oasis, if you will, for people who were coming back into the church. Maybe they were kind of getting reengaged with their faith. And so it was kind of a, a non-churchy church for people to be a part of, to heal and to grow and to get reengaged with their faith. And the blessing of that, though, is that I was invited to be a part of the core team that was praying over this for the endeavor. There was lots of prayer over this project. But I was also formally invited to provide music for, for the gatherings, which was, which was huge for me. So not only was I getting blessed by this community and getting re-engaged into faith, but I was also getting a chance to actually serve in a way that I had wanted to serve for a long time. They would also pay me to do this, which like for a poor musician is like, I don't know, you could pay me with a sandwich, but money, like, oh, that's... So, you know, our times together were really small, but they were really wonderful. It was like 8 to 15 people. We would have a meal. We would read from the Bible lectionary. We would pray for one another. We would also have conversations. And it was a really beautiful way that God was engaging me in my skills. He was also giving me kind of my first chance to be involved in ministry in many, many years. And it, it really did, I think, temper me in some really good ways for pastoral ministry because this was an environment where lots of people were really struggling with their faith or they were in crisis or they were just really trying to figure stuff out. And so it got me way more comfortable with the sorts of realities where there's just going to be gray periods in our faith where we're not exactly sure what we're thinking or where we are. I was in that initially when I, when I joined in. And so like, I can look back now and see how God was absolutely using those experiences to train me and give me kind of what I needed for the future. And we had some really hard conversations together, but we also had many beautiful conversations as well. And so I'm really grateful to God for this opportunity to, you know, get into the more substantial and tangible parts of living our faith. But I can remember at that time that there was this very, very clear yearning in me to get more directly connected with the church community, like the one that I had grown up in. And I was at kind of a loss where to begin. I was very picky. I was checking out churches, but sometimes I'd go to a church and be like, ah, I don't really like the music, or there's too much lasers and fog machines, or there's too much goat sacrifice happening during the service. Um, That actually never happened, but there were were a few churches where that could have happened, and and so I didn't go back. Um, But, you know, I'm I'm not much of a church shopper in spirit, and so you know, I I wasn't just trying to look to look, but there was just something in me that didn't quite click. There was something in me that I didn't really, I was praying a lot at the time. I didn't really feel like God was saying, this is where you need to be. So to paint kind of a picture of my life at that time, though, um, I was still living at home. I was still touring with my band and recording and doing all that, but during the day, I was making money as a freelance guitar teacher, and these teaching gigs were super split down the middle because they were either really life-giving and super encouraging or they were absolutely soul-draining and just, just awful. Uh, there is one thing about teaching an adult who has willingly chosen to take lessons with you and another when you're a child and your parents have told you you have to play guitar and no amount of learning Taylor Swift songs will help you want to play guitar. 
So, you know, the money was also really hard, and I never really got into music or teaching for the money, but it was super intermittent. It was like, you know, I was getting, people would cancel on me last minute all the time, and I'd lose out on money, and so I just was not making a lot of money. It was not a sustainable lifestyle. It made it really hard to, to move out of my parents' house. I mean, on a, if, if it were not for my parents' blessing, I would be living in Casa de Cardboard Box right now, so I am super grateful for my parents' blessing on that. My life at the time really was super stressful and inconsistent and unstable. So I began to pray like a lot, all the time. And one thing about me, especially earlier on, I was not some kind of prayer warrior. So this was like, this was a new thing for me. Uh, my prayer life was about as robust as, God, can you do this thing for me? Thanks, all right, I'll see you later. And I would just kind of move on to the next thing. But something really turned in my heart. And every day for a substantial amount of time, I would sit down and I would pray, and I would sort of say something like this to God. I'd say, Lord, I have this yearning. I want to use my gifts for you, not just for myself anymore. I also need a new job because this teaching thing is not working out. I'm also looking for a community because I want to press into faith and press into life in you, but I need, I need help. Lead me. Guide me. I am listening. And I think I prayed something like this probably like for a month straight every day. And I want to clarify that nowhere at any point in my life did I have this idea that I wanted to be in ministry. I just wanted to play worship music. I wanted to use my gifts for God and for the church. And being a pastor was the last thing on my mind because for good or for bad, my, in my mind, a worship pastor was kind of a cringy, 40-something-year-old guy wearing pants that were, like, way too tight for him with frosted tips and, like, an American Peril V-neck. Um, so I did not have the best perspective, <laughs> uh, if I'm honest, but that is how I viewed it, and so I had this real aversion to that. So I'm praying. I didn't hear much from God at the time, um, and I was honestly very disappointed, if I'm honest, because you know, I was expecting like, oh, I'll probably pray for like three days and then like the clouds will open up and Jesus will come down and say, I'm, my son, uh, you know, you are well blessed or something like that. Um, but that did not happen. So I, I just felt this, this passion in me. I was like, I'm still here, God, like, please, you know. And I was reading stories from the Old Testament about people who were debating with God or pleading with God or literally wrestling with God. And those were my comforts in those times because scripture in that way, it kind of gave me this, this fire to sort of really keep praying and keep asking God. So, like I mentioned, I was teaching at the time. I had this one student. He was a really cool guy. He was an older guy. He was really into some more kind of obscure British music, which was like right up my alley. Um, but then also strangely <laughs> really into Judas Priest. Um, so we did a lot of acoustic versions of Judas Priest songs uh, during our lessons. Um, thank you for laughing. Um, that is funny if you know Judas Priest because it's weird acoustic. But, um, but this, this student was a believer. He was um, a Christian. And we always ended up having these really amazing talks about theology and faith. And, and sometimes, actually, that's kind of all that our lessons were. So there was one lesson where we were probably talking about Judas Priest. And um, he just kind of paused in the middle of the lesson. And he said, hey, Nick, I know you're probably super busy with your band, and this teaching gig just seems so sweet. So you're probably not interested. But my church is looking for a new worship pastor to be paid full-time to play music and lead worship for a community of believers. But you're probably not interested. You're probably too busy. 
So I want to start out by saying that at first, I tried to play it really cool. I was like, oh, that's really, yeah, that's really interesting. But deep down inside, I was like, hallelujah! Like, I was like, this is it! It's landed in my lap! This is, this is the future. The very thing that I'd been praying for was like right there. I kind of felt it in that moment. I felt something like, ooh, okay, this is not just a random coincidence. And so part of me was a little skeptical. I was like, this, his church could be a cult. But I was so moved in that moment that I said, yeah, just send me the email that I need to be in touch with and I will write up a resume. I don't know how I was going to do it because, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't really like, I didn't really work a steady job, you know. Uh, yeah, I've had spiritual, here's my resume. I've had a spiritual crisis outside a club in LA. I don't know if that works. <laughs> but what was that email? What was the email? It was, the email was john at highway.org. And the rest really, truly was history. This was like the third time now that I'd had some sort of meaningful connection with Highway. So naturally, John and I got together. We had some great talks and discussions and, you know, see if it was a good fit. And then eventually I got offered a full-time position at Highway as the, as the worship pastor. And so um, as I'm just looking over this, I, God is so good. Like, I, I never wanted these things, but it's actually in retrospect, I think what I needed. God was giving me what I needed, not what I wanted. God totally connected me with Highway for that talent show all those years ago. God blessed me through Highway by letting my band like record and rehearse for eight years, which at the time was like, again, my whole life. Um, God found me on that Easter Sunday. I actually think it was really fitting that Jake played Reckless Love because I'm like, yeah, that's it right there. God was absolutely seeking me out. And then it turns out that one of my guitar students, who actually was a shepherd at Highway, and that's why he was kind of helping out with the search, like, he was, he was my student. I don't know, that's so random. That well, it's not random, but at the time, I was like, this feels so random. So, you know, my takeaway from, from my story about getting into ministry and getting involved in this is that God is always working around us. God is always doing things in our lives, whether we can see them or not. God is working in our seasons of doubt and in our seasons of faithlessness. It's not our faith that generates God. God is always moving. God is working when we are distracted from him. God is working when we are seeking him but hearing nothing. We don't have the vision and the foresight that God has, and I'm actually really grateful for that sometimes because I think um, if I knew what the future held, um, you know, like I said, sometimes we pick what we want and not actually what we need. My heart was in a completely different place, but God was so gently leading me into a new desire and a new love, which was to, 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 to head back towards him, to be back on the path to him. But there is a little epilogue to the story that I want to share, which, which also gives me kind of um, some reflection. And in that, it's even making the ch choice to take the job at Highway was actually filled with a lot of internal debate for me and struggle. And there was also lots of prayer there as well. I had this idea in my head that was really super binary. It's like either I take this job with Highway and, you know, I do all the things that are of God, or I keep doing the music industry and just, you know, continue worshiping Satan or whatever I've been doing. As if one of those things was closer to God, right? And I prayed with passion and earnestness about that from, you know, by myself and with my friends and with my family, you know, and my prayer was just like, Lord, where should I go? I know that I want to be with you, but where should I go? 
And God said something to me very audibly. I, I don't have those kinds of stories much throughout my life, but I just felt like a very audible word from God, and it was that no matter where you go, I am with you. No matter where you go, I am with you. And that is also so true of my story. No matter where I wanted to go or what I was doing, God was there with me. The difference wasn't that, you know, I was standing in a secular or a sacred space, but it was that I wasn't looking at him or giving him my attention. That was the difference. So I want to leave you with this encouragement. God is always working with you through your story in whatever chapter of that story you find yourself in. And God is always with you regardless of where you may choose to go. And that is the beauty and the challenge of faith with Christ is that God allows us the free will to make decisions or to make terrible ones. We can make good ones or we can make bad ones. But he loves us enough to not make us mind-controlled drones. We can walk away or we can walk towards him. And my encouragement and my prayer for you all today is to walk towards him. Don't bifurcate the secular and the divine because God is with us in all things. There is no place that God can not go. There is no doubt too scary or deep too far for God. There is no life path that is too steep for God. The, the only person who is weak in those instances is us, but we have this amazing strength that we can tap into in God. So I want to invite the band to come back up uh, and lead us in some music. And um, thank you for letting me share my story and to speak. I really appreciate that. It's been fun. It's been fun to relive all my faith crises. Um, <laughs> I want to encourage you uh, really to use this time uh, to pour your heart out to God. We're, we're here now in this place, and we have the privilege and the honor to be able to worship openly and freely together. We have the opportunity to be in community together where we can seek God individually, but we can also most importantly do that alongside one another. And I want to be real, you know, maybe you're at a crossroads right now like I was. Maybe you're on that journey of seeking after God for something in prayer and yearning. And I do not have the answers personally to whatever that may be in your life, but I want to say that we can use this time right now to ask someone who does have the answers. We can ask the one who can truly answer our questions and give us what we need and not what we want. And as we do, I want us to remember these two things. He never leaves us, and he is always there working around us whether we see it or not. Amen. Amen.